<laughs> take me to your leader by the newsboys. <laughs> the newsboys take me to your leader. <laughs> yeah, newsboys, is that a play? Nah, oh. Newsboys is an Australian band that's oh, okay. had like uh, been sort of like a Christian sensation in the last couple of years. But they, they, I, I joke that they were good when they weren't popular and that they've gotten awful since they've gotten popular. But uh, they, uh, they came out of Australia in the '80s and oh, were okay. kind of around the same time as like several really crazy Christian bands like um, Striper and. Uh, um, oh, Dogarmo and Key and Petra. Those were all like 80s Christian bands, and it was kind of like the rise of secular Christian, I mean, or Christian music. And then, yeah. yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome. Oh, hey. We're live. <laughs> oh, you, okay. you, you, you joined in here in the middle of uh, Noah explaining the the awesome and interesting history of Christian <laughs> Rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy was wearing like a vintage Newsboys oh, yeah? shirt yeah. in a video he just recorded, and he got so many comments on it. That's funny. Just like, oh, that's the good Newsboys back in the day. Mm-hmm. Good news back boys. with the Australian band yep. members. Yep. 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 <laughs> they had an al- I think so. their first album was Hells for Wimps. It was great. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one, Hells for Wimps. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the weekly deep dive podcast here, uh, Wayfarers Christian Church Deep Dive Podcast. My name is uh, Nick Griffin. I'm the lead pastor here at Wayfarers. I'm joined by our regular co-host today. We got Noah Randolph. Hey, everyone. He's the associate pastor here at Wayfarers and the fan favorite, everybody's favorite, <laughs> Ashley Wakefield. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so uh, it's just going to be the three of us today. Uh, we didn't catch Garrett in time to ask him to join us. And Tom is also uh, busy at the moment. So um, we're just, we're just, we're just got, we just got the small group today, but it should still be a pretty fun conversation. If this is your first time tuning in with us, usually what we do in these podcasts is we just take, uh, they're called deep dive podcasts for a reason. We just take an opportunity to try to go as deep as possible in uh, different topics and issues, sometimes related to the sermons that we cover on uh, our Sunday services. There's some things that we just don't have time to go deeper in during a Sunday service, so we'll do it here on this podcast. And also we will uh, sometimes just discuss various different I guess I would call them like hot button issues, issues that a lot of people are um, have a lot of opinions about. <laughs> um, and we like to try to bring, you know, a, a thoughtful and biblical perspective to some of those issues. Today, we are dealing with a very practical issue, something that uh, I, I would imagine a lot of Christians have had to deal with at some point in time mm-hmm. or another, which is um, the, the question of uh, how to set boundaries between the people that we are uh, maybe trying to help. I don't remember, maybe you guys can remember, because this this topic came up in the middle of last week's episode. Do you guys remember how we got to this topic exactly? How, what was the what, oh. what was the genesis of the idea? It was sort of a rabbit hole from uh, tithing to uh, the, like, wasn't it like the, oh, man. Actually, I can't remember anymore. I know, I know. Somehow we got from tithing to that. <laughs> yeah, la- last week we were talking about tithing. So if you haven't mm-hmm. had, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, yeah. I would uh, say go back and listen to it. Maybe when you yeah. listen to it, you can find out exactly how we got uh, how we got to this <laughs> issue. Uh, oh, I, I remember, I remember. Um, Ashley, you were telling us about your cousin, I mm-hmm. believe, and um, how she had maybe cut some people out of her life because they were just yeah. She more was work than um, she saying that there was like a friend that she had who mm-hmm. I guess they kept having these conversations, and I guess this friend was maybe an atheist or maybe they had some other religion that was separate from Christianity, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kept saying it was toxic. She got tired of having the conversation, so she had to end it because she had spent like a whole semester at school trying to talk to this person, and she mm-hmm. just got fed up, and she just ended the relationship. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I think I had made the comment about I really didn't understand what was toxic about it because we didn't really go into like a lot of details mm-hmm. about what made it toxic. So I don't know if they were arguing or if it was just she just got fed up with having the same conversation over and over mm-hmm. again. And so... um I was kind of 
like, you know, having the conversation itself wouldn't wouldn't really bother me. But I guess I was wondering, you know, everybody has different limits. Everybody has right. like their breaking point where like, OK, I'm done dealing with this. And so I think that's when you brought it up and you were like, that's a good topic for next week. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the reason I especially thought it was a good topic is just because I know this is a conversation I know at least me and Noah have had before ourselves just mm-hmm. when we're working on other things uh, in the office. And as um, everything is. <laughs> yeah, we're always talking about a million different things. But uh, I, I I would say part of the reason it was important to me is just because I myself have um, struggled with defining where that line is. Um, I don't know. You, you guys know me a little bit better. But I, sometimes then I can know myself maybe. But tell me if you think this is true. But I would say that I, I probably err on the side of not drawing defined enough boundaries and over uh helping other people to my own detriment mm-hmm. uh, that that's been at least my own experience yeah i can see you doing um, that. <laughs> uh, but i don't know what about you guys how, how have you felt uh are you guys good at drawing boundaries with people do you feel burnt out regularly like you're helping people too much or do you feel like you've done a good job of drawing that line it's weird for me at least uh i've drawn the line like multiple times but I've never communicated that to the other person. I just passively have decided that, you know, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. So I kind of check out, but I don't actually, like, ever have, like, a full... Because I don't like to be the person that just, like, sort of, like, oh, I'm not, like, texting you ever again or whatever like that. And so it's, like, I'll kind of, like, try and find the, like, easiest way to, like, let this relationship sort of fade is the way I call it, where they kind of just like uh, uh, maybe invite you once a week and you're like, oh, I've got something going on that day. (laughs) Uh You know, that turns into two months and like, it's weird. It's it's not like I never have that like, hey, you're toxic. I'm done with you conversation. (laughs) You know, I just kind of like slowly let it just sort of, you know, I stop. I stopped being intentional about like setting up because generally I'm the one that usually would set up like the, like yeah you're reaching out to I'm out reaching them, out to know. them mm-hmm. and uh, they're generally the ones that aren't being reached like aren't reaching out to me I'm usually the one reaching out to them and so I just kind of stopped doing that and then it kind of works mm-hmm. itself out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, that that makes me think of kind of an interesting question, but we'll get to it here in yeah, a second. Cause yeah. I want to hear Ashley. What? How, how have you felt about your? ability to draw those boundaries i guess with me uh what i've done with my family like i've reached out to them in certain ways but i guess when it actually comes to that controversial conversation of you know maybe your beliefs don't line up with the word of god or your actions or whatever i think people will usually come to me and say something first Hmm. and then i'll find a way to bring it up like i haven't really made the effort to just call somebody up or invite them out to lunch or something and just say hey like you know, let's discuss this issue. And that was kind of what happened with my cousin. Like, she came over to my house just to do my makeup. It wasn't, right. like, supposed to be anything. And then she just started asking random questions about how do you feel about pastors getting paid? Like, how do you right. feel about this? How do you feel about that? And it just spilled over into this huge conversation and an argument. And I guess what I've done in the past when I had a friend who basically was agnostic and I was Christian and, you know, granted back then I wasn't Mm -hmm. as deep in my faith as I was in my am now. Right. But I think that when we would have like disagreements, I don't think it ever spilled over into anything like really bad. So I would just tell her, okay, you know, we have a difference of opinion. You know, you think your way, Mm -hmm. I think mine. And I think at that, it was just kind of like, we just agreed to disagree on that and just kind of let Mm -hmm. it go. Um, But with some, like with the situation I had with my cousin last time, I think what I would do was probably not have a conversation with her again until, I did more work on myself to be able to handle that better so that I wouldn't just blow up, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. Cause you know, she was asking some pretty controversial conversations. I mean, questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, she was getting kind of heated and so was I. So I feel like with someone like that, you kind of have to know how to converse with them without arguing. Right. And so, you know, religion and, you know, all that kind of stuff is a sensitive subject. So like, I feel like I would probably, figure out how to handle that differently before I approached her again. Cause at this point in time, if she wanted to talk about it, I'm like, no, I'm not going to deal with that because I don't want the same thing to happen yeah. the next time that it did last time. Um, so I guess for me, it would depend on my relationship with that person, how they respond to it. Right. And so 
I think that I wouldn't necessarily like end it. Um, I think that if the relationship for some reason was toxic, right. then I would end it. But I think that I would kind of do something similar to Noah. I would just kind of right. fall. I would just like go ghost on you. It's like you just wouldn't <laughs> hear from me and then you text me and I wouldn't respond back. And it would just be like that. Well, see, yeah, you can't ghost them. At least I, I've learned that because then they know something's wrong. But if you're just like, oh, yeah, sure, let's hang out. And then you never like set a date or anything like that, then it's just like you forgot. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Like, what so, so there's kind of two things that this brings to mind for me. One is that at least the situation with your cousin, and it sounds like maybe the hypothetical one you've thought about yourself, Ashley, is uh, more of a, a war of ideas type situation where you maybe just disagree with somebody about religion in general or maybe specifics about Christianity, how mm -hmm. things work. And and that's kind of one of the difficult types of relationships, which can be one where you maybe disagree on certain core concepts and mm -hmm. it feels like you are just always arguing or yeah. debating. And so you said, Ashley, you, you would like to make sure you do your research and make sure you, you've got your, your ideas organized well, before you were try to uh, well i guess it was more like that. getting my emotions in check because like mm -hmm. i don't want to because you know like when you're having a debate like that you can get really angry very easily especially yeah. when you don't agree but not only don't agree but you feel like the other person is just missing so many different facts that they don't understand right. and then they're not listening to you and then not agreeing with you and it's just like okay and then it's just like back and forth because like they don't want to understand what you're saying and then you don't want to understand what they're saying and so it becomes like an issue of like anger is just getting in the way of, yeah. of something that needs to be produced. That makes so. sense. No, that's really wise. So like the basic idea is like, I want to make sure that this is actually going to be a productive conversation yeah. and not just one. A shouting match. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, um, yeah. But uh, the reason I thought that was interesting is just because that is um, kind of the difficult relationship I've seen a lot of people in. Uh, I'll just say specifically, I've seen a lot of my friends be in this, uh, a situation when it comes uh, recently here to politics mm -hmm. that's been a, a big issue maybe with their parents, maybe with other people they know It's get, it gets harder and harder to hang out with certain people when yeah. you have just very different hmm. opinions on certain issues and um, you know, you always got that one friend that's like researched everything they know, they're, they're up yeah. on every news story they know every, and so it's super uh, tiring to sit there and have to talk to them because you feel like you've got to do all of the right <laughs> the research ahead of time and so sometimes you may just avoid hanging out with them because it's just so tiring um uh to kind of have those conversations and so that is um maybe a good example of the the types of personalities i guess that mm -hmm. can be draining on you or mm -hmm. Or certain people like are fueled by that, you know. Yeah. I know. Certain I know people some that people that like, love that. Oh, this is great! I'll talk about this all the time. <laughs> we, uh, let's debate issues, you know, like the, the the eternal devil's advocate kind of people, and um, that uh, doesn't drain them. And so, I guess my main point is what I've realized is that different personalities get drained by different types of people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's been hard for me to understand, but I've had to try to understand that more for other people. So like I, uh, I'm generally pretty extroverted. I love hanging out, love talking with mm. people. I'm not going to get drained by that sort of experience with certain people. Um, you will get mad though, right? What's that? You you have gotten mad before though, right? But you just don't get drained by it, right? Yeah, or just the the process of um, of being around people doesn't necessarily drain me mm. like it might other people. Right, right. Um, so things like you want to go to this church potluck, or you want to go to this mm. event to hang out with other people, or you want to go hang out with friends at a coffee shop, or you want to go do whatever. Um, I can, my capacity to do that is a lot higher than, yeah. than like, especially I'm thinking of Adrian, my wife, she's more introverted. She's like, no, I need a recharge period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a lot of issues those first few years of marriage where I would just show up at the house and be like, Hey, uh, we're going out to coffee with Noah, you know, uh, go ahead and get ready and we're going to head out. And she's like, she's no, like, why? Give me some heads up. <laughs> that, that, Cause that's going to drain me. 
And that was something that I had to realize, um, you know, because I guess if there's a principle I want to apply here, something I've realized with boundaries, is that it kind of is up to each person to set their own boundaries sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not wise on our parts to judge where other people are setting those boundaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's really easy sometimes for us to be like... You know, I don't draw that boundary. Why are you drawing that boundary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah. And so uh, that that was one of my first thoughts when you were explaining about your, your cousin, because it sounds like I don't know the full story. We don't know the full story. But it sounds like she was just kind of like tired of arguing with this person and was just like, no, I'm going to draw the line. But I remember what you said last week is you were like, I don't, I don't know if that would have been where I drew the line or not, because yeah. you may be... Uh, are a little bit more prepared and maybe have a little bit more capacity for having those sort of conversations. Yeah. That could be a part of looking at wh why are certain people drawing boundaries in places that other people would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the ironic thing, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of ironic when you brought that up, it made me think of something. Cause I, I do think that I'm a little bit more on the introverted side. Cause I mean, I do mm -hmm. love to hang out with people and everything, but it's like, okay, I kind of need a day to like recharge and then we can go mm -hmm. back and hang out again later after sure. I recharge. But because after the whole argument and everything, I felt so bad about it, about the way I acted. And so I texted her and apologized. And her response was just, was just kind of like, I wasn't offended. Like, I was fine. Like, I know that yeah. I know that it's a controversial topic, so I'm good. Yeah. And so it was like, it didn't bother her, but it bothered me. Because for me, it was extremely draining. Mm -hmm. But for her, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so it made me think that, well, if that kind of thing isn't draining for you, what was so draining about talking to the person? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was just like the repetition of what we did, but it was just like, over and over again that was draining for her so I don't know if it for her it's just I can do that like I don't care if I do it it's just like doing it over and over again that bothers right. her so I don't that makes I don't sense. know yeah and so so you you it was a more tense situation for you than it was yeah yeah and yeah that just goes back to the point I'm making you know as I'm thinking about it it's just like different uh, it's just something I've had to realize different people different personalities different environments are going to need different boundaries mm. and sometimes it is sometimes it's not uh wise to be imposing our own yeah boundary lines mm. on other people and like i said that's just something i've had to learn the hard way the difficult part is sometimes i think people are using their personality or whatever as an excuse <laughs> to draw a boundary a lot um a lot closer uh just a lot smaller <laughs> Mm -hmm. than I think mm -hmm. uh, is, is actually good. Mm -hmm. And I've been motivated especially to, um, to really uh, kind of push people a little bit on some of those boundaries. Um, the particular example I can think of all the time, let me see if I can pull up the verse here, is an um, example of Jesus. Because Jesus very famously uh, had these boundary lines he would draw for uh, having just personal one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord mm. away from everybody else. Right. right. You know, it was, it was, uh, uh, really, really common for, um, Jesus to draw away yeah. from, mm -hmm. take some time, maybe wake up early in the morning, um, uh, and go find a quiet place so that he could pray and that he could, um, have that, that time, uh, with the Lord. And let me see if I can find this verse here. And I don't really blame him for doing that because when you think about how much pressure he had on from other people, because I felt like, you know, it started off so small with like individuals, like individual experiences. And then when everybody started finding out, it was like crowds of people coming. And I think that when you have that many people constantly pulling on you, mm -hmm. you have to have a moment to basically recharge. Like you have to have a moment to talk to God, to figure out what you need to say, how you need to say it. Um, to get yourself in the right mental space as well. Cause I mean that, I mean, you know, even though he was God, he was still man. So being physically drained and mentally and emotionally drained, it's like, yeah, definitely get away. So, yeah. And, and so, uh, if anything, just kind of as a general thing, especially seeing that example we get from Jesus, um, just gave me permission, I feel like, yeah. to draw boundaries mm. sometimes and just be like, because, uh, you know, as Christians, we always want to be there for other people. We always want to help people. We always want mm -hmm. to um, make sure that we are not being selfish and we're helping other people who are in need. Um, but what 
what I see from Jesus is that he um, knew that to be able to help people the best, mm-hmm. you like you said, you got you need that time. You can't you can't just be always help 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 everybody mm-hmm. without um, having some time to recharge, to reconnect with God, to um, rest, uh, and and to draw that kind of boundary with other people. Um, I can't find the specific verse I'm thinking of, so yeah. we're, you're just going to have to settle for the Nick Griffin paraphrase here. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you guys go and check me and find this verse in the Bible. Don't just take my own word for it. But um, there's a particular verse in one of the Gospels I can remember where Jesus is drawing away for that reason. He, you can, the implication is he's tired. He's mm-hmm. been healing people all day. He, uh, he gets in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and goes to get away mm-hmm. from the people. And what the passage says is that he crosses the Sea of Galilee and all the people, what they do is they just follow, they just walk <laughs> around to the other side. And by the time he gets over to the other side, there's already a crowd of people um, waiting for him there. And uh, what, um, oh wait, I think I found it. I think I remembered the exact verse. Um, it says he had compassion yes. on them. Yeah. Uh, and it actually makes me think of something. Because um, I know that one of the reasons that the disciples was with him was sort of so they can learn and grow so that they could kind of take over what he was doing. Because I know that when he left, he was like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, as great as the works that he'd done, you know, I'm paraphrasing this also. But yeah. he was like, you know, greater works You're than you do, do than I do. Yeah. So it was sort of I kind of wonder if, you know, sometimes, you know, they would try to do certain things like there was that scene where. Um, they were trying to cast out the demon. I think it was in the little boy mm-hmm. and then they couldn't do it. And the father was like, well, I tried to get your disciples to do it and he couldn't. And then he mm-hmm. like, how long will I have to put up with this faithless generation and, you know, so on and so forth. And so I wonder if, and this is just me like wondering, um, you know, I don't know if it's actually there, but I wonder if, you know, he was a little frustrated at the fact that the disciples were there to share his burden. And it was kind of like, I'm trying to teach you guys to do this so that I can, you know, have you share the burden with me so I don't have to carry it as much, but you guys keep, you know, messing it up and you're not getting it, so I have to keep coming up behind you and fixing it, so. Here's the verse. Um, Because, uh, yeah, I think that's a interesting example. But the uh, verse, um, Mark, it's in Mark 6, starting in verse 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him about all they had done and taught. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Mm -hmm. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So, I mean, like, it's crazy. They can't even feed themselves. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, you know, he says, they don't even have time to eat. They're worn out. They've been doing all this ministry. Let's, um, let's go find a, a, a quiet place to get away. He's, mm-hmm. he's drawing that boundary line. But what... I appreciate is that those boundary lines are not solid, mm-hmm. immovable, no change. Never. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he gets to the other side, he allows the compassion for the people to override a boundary line he was trying to draw. Yeah. That's cool. And just I like, like that. And just yeah. be like, okay. And so he starts teaching them, even though he's tired, even though they're yeah. hungry, even though he's mm-hmm. trying to find a quiet place. Um, and especially that verse has just always impacted me because um, there's a there's a there's a tendency sometimes in uh, church leadership, especially, uh, unfortunately, to maybe lose that compassion yeah. for people. Yeah. And so um, that seems to be such an important part and not kind of burning out even when you don't have those boundaries is making sure that you have that that love and compassion for people and recognize mm-hmm. their needs and recognize that no boundary line should be permanent immovable not able to mm-hmm. be yeah. uh, changed because 
uh, I, I've heard before, and I think they're very well-meaning pastors, especially who are like teaching other pastors, you know, here at the college that we broadcast from, we've had classes where they try to teach that to, we're, we're, we're trying to train up and coming church leaders. And I heard a lot, I had a lot of professors and a lot of people specifically tell me how important it was to draw boundaries. And so they would say like, if you're a pastor, you got to have strict office hours, five o'clock hits, you're done. Turn your phone off, you know, go home, be with your family. You need that time hmm. to recharge. And they, some of them would be like super adamant about it, you know, like no, no exceptions. And they would have arguments about like, well, you know, your family's the most important. Your family comes first, then the church. You can't, you can't have your family suffering um, because of the church. Hmm. And I understand that to a certain extent. And I think that there, in general, there's probably some wisdom in having those boundaries because I do think making your family important is important. I've known a ton of pastors who unfortunately have made their ministry more important than their family mm-hmm. and their families have really suffered. But at least the example I remember from my own life growing up is that my dad um, made our family very important. It was obvious that we were very important to him, but it was also obvious that there, there were going to be things that could override that importance if some emergency situation came up with the church if there was somebody who really distinctly had a need in this moment in time um my dad would be like hey look sorry i know we had this family thing planned but this is part of what it means to be a minister in the church i've got to go help this person who really needs help right now and the way most people pitch that is that like that would be detrimental to me as a child but i actually think that was really helpful to me as a child because it showed it was like a teaching moment my dad used it as a teaching moment to show me where his priorities were and to show me that you know being faithful to god helping those in need was more important to him than you know something that could possibly be rescheduled yeah. or different yeah. things like that so i never felt like he didn't care about me or the ministry was more important than the family or anything like that. I just felt like he had his priorities straight and he really cared about people. And so I think those boundaries should be able to be, you should be able to override those boundaries if the right situation. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess because more I heard you talk about it, I was like, well, where do you draw the line? It's like, you know, if like, you know, what if you do, if you're like doing everything you can for the church, but you're neglecting your child and your child is like, well, I'm upset that you don't spend enough time with me, that you don't Mm -hmm. talk to me, that I feel like you don't really know me because you've been spending the past several months, you know, especially like when they're really young, because I know that we had a conversation um, here last Thursday um, for um, our, um, our bridging the gap where we talked about how, you know, those are like the most impressionable years of a child. And it's like, what if you're, what if you're not there during that time because you're spending so much time in ministry, but then it's like, what if they really need you? And, um, you know, it's kind of like, what, and I thought about the issue of like, you know, what if somebody calls you really late at night and you're like in bed mm-hmm. trying to sleep and you're like, I'm not going to answer that phone call. But then what if it's like a, like a, like a church member is like in serious need of something. And it made me think about my pastor who um, he was helping a member of our group. And this was like, this was like long before I started going to the church um, before I even knew them. But I think he was um, in the middle of like contemplating suicide. Mm -hmm. And so his girlfriend spoke to him first and then she got the pastor on the phone. And then it's like, well, what if that's it? Like, what if somebody calling you late at night and it's that serious and you're just like, I'm not going to answer the phone with you. And then that phone call, if you had answered, it would have made a difference. And it's kind of like, it's kind of hard for me to say when to draw the line. Definitely. Uh, but it's kind of like, you know, at the same time, like with me saying that I would, you know, go someone, it's kind of like if it was super toxic, you know, I would really want to. But then it's like, how do you do, how do you draw that line? Right. But then it kind of made me think of a book I was reading um, Garrett gave me this book. It was called Organic Outreach. Uh-huh. And it made me think about how, um, I can't even remember the name of the author at the moment, but he was talking about finding different strategies for the church to bring other members in and how when you're doing that, you kind of have to put your personal feelings and your des- desires aside hmm. in, in order to bring new people in. And he gave the example of how he went to one church and um, they had a conversation about what they were willing to do, what they were willing to change. Because I know that a lot of, Churches, especially older members, don't like change. And so his thing was, well, if the music has to change to bring young people in, are you guys willing to do that? And so they did it. And he had a woman come to him basically saying that, like, I hate the guitar. I hate the singing. I hate the music. And he was just kind of like, well, 
are you wanting to change it? Do you want to do something about it? And she was like, no, I just wanted to express the fact that I hated it. And she and she and she said, I'm not she, but he said that her saying that to him without wanting to change it was kind of like an expression to him of her saying that I don't like this, but I'm willing to do it just to bring other people in. And so it's kind of like that attitude of putting your personal feelings aside if it benefits someone else. And it made me think about something that happened today because I know that. Um, God had been speaking to me about just preaching the gospel, like just randomly Mm -hmm. in places. And so I was like, at the very beginning of the day, was not having the best day at work. And so, because, you know, I was getting really aggravated by my boss. And so by the time the afternoon came, because I told myself I was going to try to do this in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so I was just not feeling up to it at first. I was like, I'm not in the right headspace for it. I'm not going to do it today. And I was like, but is that really fair, though? Like, is that's not that's kind of selfish of me to be like, well, I'm not in the headspace where I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. And so I was like, you're missing out on an opportunity because you don't want to put your feelings aside. So just Mm -hmm. go and do it. So, yeah. So it's like the, the, the question is how, how do you know where to draw that line? And the difficulty it sounds like is here. Um, how do you, divide out because maybe one of the ways you can draw that line is to divide out maybe just your personal feelings or preferences yeah versus like your actual needs that you might have they might even be personal needs that could be one of the ways you could help draw that line on when is it too far when is it not too far um i have a few thoughts on that but my battery's about to die on this microphone (laughs) oh no new battery Noah, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think starting with that question, how do you know and draw the line? I think one of the things you can, at least what I've done in my time, has been to uh, look at trends and see not necessarily one situation, but look at a collective group of situations and uh, moments that you've interacted with whoever the person is that you may feel like is stressing you and uh, you can look at the many different times you've interacted with them and you can ask yourself is the trend that I always sacrifice for this person you know (laughs) or is the trend that like I'm always the one doing something for them and you know they're never doing something for me Um, and uh, is the trend always that I leave less healthy than Mm. when I came, you know, and you ask questions like that. And I think answering those questions, uh, for me at least, were really helpful for deciding whether or not uh, I should continue to sacrifice or not. Because like, if it's like, you know, I've had situations where people call, call me and been like, hey, like, my car died, I need some help. And I'm like, yeah, sure, like, let's, let's go do that. Even though, like, I've had a very long day and, like, I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, that's one of those situations where it's, like, out of the blue, you know, kind of thing. I've also had other situations where people have had roommate issues and they've, they constantly tell me, every time I talk to them that they just hate their roommate and yada, 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 and just, you know, it never ends. That's not healthy because (laughs) like, I'm just a venting machine to you now. Like all I am is the punching bag for you to get rid of your anger. And you really, you should be saying all this stuff to your roommate. Exactly. You know? And so like you can, those are the situations where I think you can start to parse out that line is when people tend to just treat you as like, a venting machine, you know, uh, and then uh, a uh, uh, other times when they're legitimately wanting your input. I've also had it where you know people ask your opinion not because they care about your opinion, but mm-hmm. because they just want to hear your thoughts and then they want to go and fight about it, you know. And like oh. I think that's toxic, you know. Yeah. Like they're they're not actually wanting to learn they just you know they want to hear your thoughts because they know you have an opinion and they want to fight about it so you know like it's it's those types of situations is like and now i'm 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 not dealing with that so So it sounds like one of the questions you can ask yourself that you're kind of getting at too is am i actually even helping this person right right yeah Yeah. Uh, you know because sometimes i'm killing that's actually a big one it's like if you don't see any type of help actually being accomplished, it's like, no, this is this right. is bad. Sometimes you may just you, you you're you're killing yourself mm-hmm. and you're not actually doing anything to help that person. Yeah. <laughs> and so at that point, 
like it's it's not is it your christian duty or are you just <laughs> killing yourself to do nothing you yeah know? yeah and um and so that uh that's actually super helpful noah that, yeah. that's that's making me think of a whole bunch of different things but it's just kind of like sometimes the best way to see whether you're helping that person is to kind of look long term and just be like hey mm. what's the general tone and tenor of this mm-hmm. relationship how does it generally go yeah what have past interactions with this person been like and um that that can maybe help you realize mm-hmm. whether uh, you're drawing a healthy boundary or not yeah and that reminds me of something that you've said i think that your dad has told you about mm-hmm. solutions to problems and i think garrett has said that too like because i hate when people come to me always speaking negatively about someone else yeah because i think the best thing to do is just like well have you talked to them about it like you know and give them solution and i feel like if you're giving them solutions and encouraging them to talk to them and they refuse to do so i think i would just ask them like well do you actually want the problem to be fixed or do you just want to complain about it (laughs) (laughs) and And you'd be surprised how many people say no i just want to (laughs) complain and so it's just like and i feel like in a way that's such a like like a woman thing you know like we want to talk about things but then don't want it fixed right away (laughs) But, um, yeah, I feel like that if I'm giving you solutions and you refuse to take it, it's like, I don't know what you want me to do. It's like, because mm-hmm. I can't keep listening to the same thing over and over again. It's like, I didn't mind hearing it at first, but now it's just kind of like, I don't know. what. There's nothing left for me to do if you're not going to take my suggestions on how to fix it. So. And, and that's actually really good, too, because that could, that could go beyond just people who complain a lot. You know, wh- whatever the issue might be, um, you know. This isn't generally the case, but taking your example of, like, you had a friend call you that was like, hey, my car broke down. Mm. Um, You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll go help you out. Now, if that friend of yours refused to ever get an oil change, never changed their tires, never, they just kept running out of gas because they never put gas in their car, and they were calling you every week to get you to help them, there's a certain point where you'd just be like, dude, this is kind of mm-hmm. on you. Like, it's it's not, this isn't just an emergency mm-hmm. anymore. Right. You're not doing things to maintain your car. So bringing that analogy forward into just everyday life in general, um, that can be one of the most useful ways to realize whether, the, whether it's time to maybe draw a boundary with somebody is if they are making no effort and or progress and or anything you know, sometimes it's it's difficult to be like, what 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 are you doing? You just kind of spin your wheels. Right. What's going on? That made me ask another question because um, that reminds me of something that got brought up when was was his name Tom? Yes. Who was on the screen? Yes. Because I know that we got into the subject of people taking advantage of the church. Right. And how um, I talked about how we had a young lady at our church who the members were helping, like they were you know picking her up and taking her you know from work or wherever she needed to go, and so you know if she yeah. needed this, she needed that, they were trying to you know get it to her and so i think it got to a point where they were like okay like we don't mind helping you but we can't keep you know we can't just keep giving you stuff and doing things for Mm -hmm. you and i think at at that point she just stopped coming and so she was you know evidently there to just to get what she wanted out of it and then when she stopped getting what she wants she didn't want to come anymore and i think that there was an issue of being brought up where i think he was saying that and you can correct me if i'm wrong but like people should kind of like allow the church to be taken advantage of in a way and so i wonder like should the church in general draw a boundary line with that and just say that okay we've helped you enough like we've been helping you pay bills we've been helping you with your kids we've been helping you get groceries like when are you going to make an effort to do something yourself i'm pretty sure timothy has like a boundary list of like qualifications for widows in that kind of situation where they like have to like um, meet yeah, certain requirements it. before in, they in get the on that aid epistles. list. Um, one thing that he does say, uh, I think it's First Timothy four. The one I was thinking of is Second Thessalonians. Oh, okay. So Second yeah. Thessalonians three here. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. Mm-hmm. That's always a fun name to say, <laughs> Thessalonica. Um, and uh, there's this very interesting um, verse here where uh, in verse 6, uh, Paul says, And now, dear brothers and sisters... Uh, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the traditions they receive from us. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so that we could not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and meddling in other people's business. Mm -hmm. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Mm -hmm. That's a good verse. That's from the New Living Translation, by the way. I read New Living Translation Sunday for if you uh -huh. I know Noah's a big fan. I'm a big fan. It's been... It's, I love the New it's, Living. Uh, it reads really easily. I like that. I, for people that might not like the, the translation choices, one of the reasons I like it is they tell you yeah. why they make the translation choices that they do, where the NIV and the ESV don't. And so if you buy an NLT, there's footnotes throughout the entire Bible of, we chose this translation because of such and such. Yeah. And so you can really like dig there's into... There's some transparency to there's why a, they There chose. is an open transparency to it that is not in the other translations. And I don't care as much about the actual translation as I care about what's your philosophy in going into it. So, yeah. you know, and that's, so that's a really interesting mm -hmm. one. That may have to be another episode too, mm -hmm. just Bible <laughs> translations. I know a lot of people would be interested in that, yeah. but I think that verse is just a really good summary of a lot of things. I, mm -hmm. I'm glad you reminded me of that because one uh, point that definitely comes out of here is, um, I think this applies especially to believers to so specifically other people in the church. If you're refusing to do anything, and you're just like freeloading off mm -hmm. of what's going on in the church. Uh, Paul really clearly here is just like, hey, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You got to go work. You got to go, yeah. you know. And he gives the example of, of them as apostles. You know, their work was the church work. So they, they of anybody could have just been like, yeah, we'll just hang out with you. We'll eat with you. We'll, this is our work, you know, mm -hmm. the, the church work we're doing. But he said to, to, so to set a good example for them, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to pay you for any food that we get. We're going to make sure that we work so we can set a good example for you. Um, so especially in the church with other church members, I do think that the church sh needs to draw those boundaries. And I think it's biblical even in this example of just being like, hey, you got you got to show us something. That doesn't mean you got to like... But just show us that you're doing something, that you're yeah. working, that, yeah. you're, that you're not just sitting here uh, freeloading. But I love how he ends that, where he says, but despite all of this, um, he, he says, as for the rest of you, so all of those of you that are working and doing your job and being helpful, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Because I do, I have no, there, there's a certain type of person I know who wasn't good at drawing those boundaries early in life, mm -hmm. spent a lot of time helping a lot of other people, never got that returned back. And mm -hmm. then they just became jaded and were just like, ah, I'm done with people, Yeah, whatever. People are the mm -hmm. worst. I'm never going to do anything good for them. And I think uh, Paul is trying to like avoid that. He's like, look, look, all of you that are mm -hmm. doing good, keep doing that. Don't give up. Don't get tired. Even if people take advantage of you, even if some of these people are refusing to work. And I think that that is an important encouragement we have to give people. And so I think that applies especially to believers. I do think with non-Christians, people that aren't in the church, mm -hmm. um, the example we get, I would say one of the clearest examples you can get is from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, um, you know, if someone tries to take your uh, tunic, give them your cloak also. Mm -hmm. If someone asks you to walk a mile for them, walk two miles. Run, not yeah. walk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if someone uh, asks, uh, strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek and let them strike that too. Um, I think within the church, we were talking about this earlier. <laughs> I guess that was before we started recording. Within the church, we have a responsibility to judge each other and hold mm -hmm. each other up to the highest possible standard. Outside of the church, I don't think it's our job to be doing those scales mm. <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. of being like, I'm not going to help you unless you help me. I'm not going to do this unless you help me. 
inside the church, that may be helpful sometimes to just be mm-hmm. like, dude, you're freeloading. You're not doing anything. Pull your own weight. Let's, let's uh, see what we can do. But outside of the church, I know one of the best things that we can do sometimes is to help people, not just even when they don't deserve it, but especially when they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the greatest visuals of the gospel because, you know, we didn't deserve any of the grace yeah. that is given to mm-hmm. us. And so we can carry that forward to other people, especially when they don't deserve it, especially when they are people who just in no way deserve you helping them out. Do you think that that you can like them draw them to the kingdom of heaven? Absolutely. Like even when they, like if you're giving them something that they know they don't deserve, that they didn't earn and you're just like, I'm just giving it to you because you know, I want to, even if you don't necessarily need it and you can go get it yourself. Yeah. Like, I think uh, I think there's even verses that say that. There's a verse I preached on a few months ago at my home church from First Peter, where Peter says that um, he, he's talking to slaves at the time who were slaves of really harsh masters that mm-hmm. weren't, weren't good masters. And he encourages those slaves to still be obedient to those masters, even though mm. those masters are terrible people. And he says the purpose of that is that you might win them over mm-hmm. to the Lord because, you know, it's easy to follow somebody, mm-hmm. do what somebody says when they are a good person who's yeah. earned respect. But if they're terrible people and you still do what they say, then that really shows kind of the, 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 the difference of the, um, the frame of mind that a Christian would have versus other people yeah. in the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was thinking about it from two kind of perspectives. It kind of reminded me of when um, Jesus went to the Simon the Pharisee's house. Uh-huh. And so the woman comes in and then she's washing his feet. And Simon is thinking to himself, like, well, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't right. be allowing him, allowing her to do this. And so, you know, basically at the end of it, Jesus is like, you know, those who are forgiven much, they love yes. much who are forgiven much. And so it's like, you know, because he was a Pharisee and he felt like he was higher than she was. He felt like it's almost like he felt no obligation to do any of these things for Jesus. But because she was a sinner and he loved her and forgave her anyway, it made it gave her all the more reason to do what she did. Yeah. And so um, it kind of reminded me of, of that when you were saying that, because that does make a lot of more sense. No, when that's you do a great it. that that's a great connection. And so it's just kind of like. <sighs> Sometimes when we are doing, because I think we get this flipped sometimes. I think sometimes we are just killing ourselves to help other people within the church who aren't mm-hmm. pulling their own weight, you know. And meanwhile, people outside of the church were like, well, I don't know, they're a drug addict. I'm not going to give them any money until they get off drugs. Because they're going to spend it on you know, drugs. Or, if, yeah. you know, and so we're really, we're really good at drawing boundaries with those outside the church and maybe bad at doing it with those within the church. I mean, one of the best things yeah. we can do is flip that. Yeah, <laughs> well, and what do you think of this? This is something that I've seen just outside of the church as well as inside. This might It's the same topic, but it's, it's yeah. opening it up a little bit. But uh, I was reading through some of the reviews on uh, just various apps on uh, the App Store because mm-hmm. I don't know why I was doing that, but <laughs> I was. And uh, there was an, uh, there's an app called Bumble that yeah. most people know about that's like a dating app and stuff. And the top review on it was so interesting. It was a lady, and she was complaining about how um, Bumble needed to do a better job of weeding out people that needed mental health. Oh. Because uh, for her, she would get on Bumble, and she would meet this guy or whatever it was and instantly find out that they had a bunch of like mental health problems or whatever and she was adamant that it's not her responsibility to take care of someone when literally they just met on this Mm -hmm. dating app or whatever and so she was asked wanting like some type of other thing to be in the works to sort of filter out those types of people um, because she didn't see that as her responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're shifting to in this yeah. world is that we sort of filter out anybody's, like, struggles with that mental health and things to more professional, you know, side of things. And so I've, I've seen that also been affected in the church is that, like, people are very reticent to even 
have conversations yeah. with anybody that struggles with that. Because yeah. It's not my job. Because, That's well, a, one, yeah. they feel like they're underqualified. They don't right. really know how to handle that. What if this person goes suicidal? You know, and like, two, sometimes those people are clingy. They text every day, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you, you know, like setting boundaries for that is really difficult. Setting boundaries could even set them into a further depression spiral. So how do you deal with that? You know, and so I've seen a lot of, uh, cases where that's been handled badly and so i'm just curious with the topic of boundaries how would how how do you think you would approach that if someone were to well i think that that is an incredible topic for next week okay uh we're actually uh wow, nearing the end of our that time was quick here. though yeah, that yeah. was really quick we uh these conversations are always fun mm-hmm. we always go uh really long and i do think that that's a great topic mm-hmm. um because it's kind of continuing this idea of boundaries, but mm-hmm. I guess the specific question maybe for next week is more along the lines of um, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your responsibility about other people? Where does that responsibility lie? And yeah. when is maybe that someone else's responsibility and not my responsibility? Yeah. Um, maybe sometimes when is the, 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 the boundary line drawn because that's something somebody else should be dealing with. And that's something mm-hmm. I should yeah. be dealing with. I did just have so. one thing, I guess, sure. to say to end that out. But I guess when you were saying that, it made me think that I think that people who have issues like that, sometimes they just want somebody to talk to. And they yeah. just use those apps as an, a reason to talk to right, someone. Right, right, right. And so it made me think about, because I was thinking about this the other day. And I know that I've heard people say before that, you know, specifically in the black community, I don't know mm-hmm. anywhere else, that a lot of mental issues, a lot of mental health issues go undiagnosed because people are not aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is just and I don't I don't know how it is in other communities but I know in black communities some people feel like it's like a stigma with going to the therapist it's like I'm not going to go spend all this money at a therapist go talk to somebody like all I need is Jesus all I need to do is go to church and you know because I had a a cousin a different one from the one I was talking to a couple weeks ago and I know that he had a woman who would come to the house to you know just to talk to him about stuff and then there was like a little bit of a debate about like he doesn't need to do that all he needs to do is go to church and all he needs to do is all he needs is Jesus and so they were trying to be like okay well there's nothing wrong with him talking to someone and I think there's a lot of stigma associated with it because people feel like, well, if I go to a therapist, I'm crazy or they don't want to spend all the money or they feel like I'm not going to spend hundreds right. of dollars for somebody to tell me something I already know. And so that so maybe let's let's do that even more specific. Let's narrow it down even more specifically for next week. Then mm-hmm. let's talk about this continued question about boundaries and responsibilities. And let's narrow it down specifically to issues with mental health mm-hmm. and other mm-hmm. people. And we can kind of talk about both of those. Because okay. I know we've had a lot of conversations about mental health ourselves and within the church that can be an interesting uh, and difficult conversation to have. Um, so it might be helpful to people to, to talk about that specific issue a mm-hmm. little bit with boundaries next week. So I'm going to leave it on that. We'll mm-hmm. leave it as a teaser. You guys got to tune in again <laughs> next week. Um, to 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 check in on that. Lord willing, we don't have some huge project next week. We got to do it. <laughs> right. right, for real. Um, so uh, tune in next week. Hear about that specific topic. Otherwise, uh, I would encourage any of you that are watching or listening later. We would love for you guys to tune in uh, with us this Sunday. We've got a um, really cool church service planned. Um, Going to have a, a worship service, and we have um, our. Uh, intern this summer, Jacob Dooley. Hey. He's going to be preaching for us, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about it. He's he's really excited about it. I know he would love to have as many people watching, and especially in the room. Any of you that want to come join us in person, we would love to see all of y'all here. I know Jacob would love to see you here for his uh, sermon this Sunday. I think it's going to be really really cool. And what time is it? It is at 7 p.m. Okay. and it's here in the Dwayne Dudcum Memorial Chapel on the campus of Mid South Christian College. Okay. It's 3097 Night Road. So 7 p.m. We hope to see you all there. Otherwise, we will see you next week for that conversation about mental health and boundaries Mm -hmm. on the weekly deep dive. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.